found your way back to Making Sense of Pets, the podcast. We're your hosts, veterinary technicians Angela Ilya, Ryan Frazier, and I'm Becky Mosser. So this week we are talking about something that I personally find one of the most important topics in pet ownership, and it's a relatively new thing, so I think people don't know a lot about it. And there's a lot of different companies coming out right now. So we're talking about pet insurance. So pet insurance is probably one of the most important things that you can buy for your pet. Uh, you can put your money to good use and protect your dog from having to uh, have the choice of between money and saving your dog's life. So I think that pet insurance is one of the most important things uh, you can get for your pet. Um, working in a specialty hospital, I definitely see the importance of having pet insurance. Um, we have we have high bills, unfortunately, when you come into specialty medicine and you get the bills often, um, whether it's ER or internal medicine or oncology. And having pet insurance has definitely helped save animals because they're able to afford pet care um, when everything builds up really fast. And, you know, I feel like there's kind of a lot of myths and misnomers and misunderstanding around pet insurance because of how it kind of used to be. And so I think people are like, oh, you know, they don't understand how far it's come over the last few months. And um, I'm excited to kind of talk about where pet insurance is today. Um, But you're right about the importance of it. The thing about a pet insurance, I feel like it's the thing people always wish they had and it's always too late, right? Like you, you can't get pet insurance once the incident has happened. And there are a lot of really affordable options out there today. Um, And, you know, there are wellness plans through private veterinary clinics, and um, there are credit line options, and there are pet insurance. And I think it's kind of important to differentiate them and, and to talk about why kind of pet insurance might be the advantage. Yeah, you never want to be at the counter of your veterinary office with your dog or cat or um, I don't know. Is there like li- lizard insurance? I don't think Probably. you can get lizard insurance. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you anything. You know, Some of those lizards you know, are like really high, high, right? Are expensive, right? right? Yeah. Lizards. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, when you're when you're at the vet with your with your pet, um, having an emergency or or otherwise, really, you don't want to be thinking about whether you have to choose between, you know, paying your rent or your other bills uh, or putting your money into saving your pet or diagnosing your pet's illness or treating your pet for just something even simple um, as, you know, taking them in for preventative care or things like that. So um, I would just recommend first, if you've already got a veterinarian, you know, if you see every every year or whatever, uh, ask them what type of pet insurance companies they work with. Um, I think that's really important. So you don't want to have to buy pet insurance and then uh, change your vet or something like that. You don't want to find out that your veterinarian that you had for years doesn't accept the type of insurance that you've gotten. So uh, I would just go ahead and check with them and they'll probably give you several options. Um, And then you can go ahead and research things like Google reviews. You know, you can ask other pet owners if you say, you know, you have the dog run, chatting it up, you know, ask if anybody else has pet insurance and if they're satisfied. Um, Sometimes, uh, 
you can play around with, you know, calculators of fees and things like that. You can kind of plug in your dog's age and, you know, any ailments they have and things like that and how much you want to pay like per month. So you can get a really good idea on a lot of these websites or apps uh, for the pet insurance companies, how much you're going to pay and what kind of coverage you're going to get for that money. I think reading the enrollment rules is really important too. There's a lot of insurance company that does they they don't allow puppies and kittens to be on insurance until they're at least six to ten weeks, um, and then most of them don't have a maximum age limit, but they do have some cutoff times between like ten and fourteen years, and then also um, make sure if you need to see a vet prior to enrollment. That's another important thing. So oftentimes they'll require your your pet to have an exam before they will enroll you. Yeah, a lot of the plans require a physical exam within a certain time period, whether it's 30 days, six months or the last, you know, um, or the last year have been examined and have a clean bill of health. And then they're going to ask for all of the past medical records from your pet because a lot of the pet insurance may not cover pre-existing conditions as well. And all of them will also in those terms define what they think pre-existing means. And so that may be a condition that the pet has been treated for generally. In my experience, it's been within the last 18 months. And then once the pet has gone um, for another predetermined period, so it may be six months to a year in most cases without having that same illness or ailment treated, that will drop off as a pre-existing condition and then start to qualify again. Those types of between-the-line rules and regulations, I think, are what make the pet insurance world a little bit tricky to navigate. But I think it's very much the same in, in the human world. It's what we're used to. But it can be, I think, where people get a little bit lost and um, don't necessarily follow through with getting pet insurance because of that. Um So there's a few major um, pet insurance companies out there, and they all differ a little bit in how they reimburse and the way that they work. Um, Pet360 has a really cool breakdown chart of all of the different um, popular health insurance companies for pets, and it kind of breaks down how their plans work as far as... um, what they reimburse and how long waiting periods are in, for pre-existing conditions, um, if they cover wellness, if it's only emergency care, and then additional rider packages that can be purchased. Um, so there's a really good resource. We can include the link to it for um, for you guys to follow and you can kind of compare. But right now, I think some of the leaders in the industry are ASPCA, Embrace, FIGO, Nationwide, Pet Plan, Pets Best, True Panion. Do you guys know of any other pet insurances that you've worked before? No, I think you pretty much hit the major ones. I mean, we see a lot of like True Panion where we are here in New York. True Panion is a pretty popular one. Also, so what's your experience been? Um, well, I have a like a vet friend who has True Panion and also um, when I worked for another emergency clinic here it was offered as like the employee pet insurance so I've had True Panion and I know a lot of people who do have um, at my old clinic that use it and I think it's great. I mean, they pay, I think it's up to 90% of your like emergency costs or long-term kind of treatment costs. So my friend who's actually a doctor um, at the clinic, her dog ended up getting like diagnosed with some myelopathies in its spine and it it also had like some cancer. So she ended up paying 
thousands, you know, and just imaging the dog for MRIs and then, you know, having uh, chemotherapy and the treatment that followed and ended up, you know, a peg tube and had acupuncture and uh, swimming uh, rehab and all these things. And and the insurance covered like 90% of his treatments and it was thousands and thousands of dollars by time uh, the dog kind of lost its battle to all of its ailments, but it saved even just like a doctor uh, thousands. It's just so many thousands of dollars um, treating her dog. And she said, you know, even though uh, it went on, well, she was just like very grateful that it was possible to treat her dog without thinking about the cost attached to it. When you're in a situation that treating the condition is a positive outcome 98% of the time and, you know, maybe it's an emergent situation, but, you know, once it's treated, the pet's going to be fine and and you're going to be able to move on. But these kind of long-term conditions like you're talking about, Angie, where it's like months and months and months of treatment and these really long-term conditions, it becomes a matter of you have to say when is when based on money, not when is when based on your pet every time. And that's just like a crappy place to be in. And so, And when you have pet insurance, it can really offset the that feeling and it can at least put like peace of mind. And, you know, I know a ton of people with pet insurance and it's funny. I just went through this process of getting quotes um, through all of these different organizations because I kind of wanted to see what that would look like in preparation for this um, and, and in looking for different insurance prices for my own pets right now. And everyone makes it really super easy. The other thing I kind of wanted to mention is that every single one of these major organizations either has a free trial period or a money back guarantee. So if for any reason you feel like this is not the right way for you to go after you try it, um, you can get reimbursed for any money that you spent. Um, but I want to say realistically, I did um, quotes on all six of my pets and not one of them was over $100 a month. Most of them ran between um, 60 and $80 a month for, you know, pretty good insurance coverage. All right, so let's talk a little bit about how that works because I think it is good to kind of help people understand how pet insurance works because the truth of the matter is is it is not a matter of your vet is filing a claim in most cases and they're getting paid, um, right? I mean, let's clarify a little bit how these work. So for the most part, for most of the companies right now, the owner of the pet has to pay first and then they'll get reimbursed. I think that's something that kind of shocks people. but there's one company that work, is working with vet clinics called Trupanion, which we talked about already. Um, and they are starting something kind of new where your vet clinic would submit the claim as you check out. Um, then you do, would just pay the portion of your bill. And then the Trupanion will pay the um, hospital directly. Um, so that's something that I think we're going to move towards. And I think more clinics are going to do it. Um, so, but just... Just to make sure that you are aware before you get insurance, it is important to know that you need to pay up front for the most part and then get reimbursed. And I think that sometimes it's hospital specific because I I worked at a clinic in Brooklyn where um, certain companies had a relationship with us so you could call and like pre-authorize. So um, I think one, I don't don't really know, it might have been like nationwide um, because we used them. We had like a private relationship with them and like Trupanion was like a pre-authorization where you could call them at any time and be like, hey, listen, like this is what's going on with Fluffy. Uh, 
um, they have a $15,000 estimate, uh, this is blah, 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 and then they would pay their part of that estimate and then we would be paid directly by the insurance company. So if you call your clinic and ask, um, you know, they should be able to tell you what kind of relationship they have with which companies. Pets Best Pet Plan and Embrace will, with the policyholder and the veterinary clinic permission, pay directly to the veterinary practice. Um, but it does have to be approved ahead of time. And Ryan, what you talked about with the TruePanion Express desktop, I think this is pretty revolutionary, right? And and I think you're exactly right. So I think long term, it will be a matter of you'll be able to go into your clinic, get a pre-authorization for what they're looking to spend and know how much they're going to get reimbursed. And I think this is going to be the tipping point for pet insurance for clinics. Do you guys think, I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited about it because I think that owners are going to be able to do more with pet insurance, um, which is awesome because we're getting better care for our animals. But just the makeup of the clinic, I think, is going to be different then, too, because their vet clinics are going to have to staff someone that's knowledgeable with insurance and have someone probably working on just insurance. Yeah, and, and I think you, you make a really good point there that, like, we're going to have to start to, to speak the language of pet insurance within the clinics. And the reimbursement, I think you can choose between, for the most part, it's 90% reimbursement and 80% reimbursement, right? So this is, like you said, I think where people get surprised for the most part right now, you're paying the whole bill up front, plus you're paying monthly um, insurance premiums. And I think this is where there's like a major limitation right now um, in people getting insurance. So some of these pet insurances cover wellness and some of them don't. And some of the clinic, some clinics offer wellness plans. Um, Do you guys have any experience with clinics that offer wellness plans? Do you offer them? Well, I mean, I know Angie, you're in emergency and Ryan, you're in specialty. So, no, you don't. Do you guys take your pets anywhere that has wellness? Like, I think this is also something that's going to start to develop in the veterinary industry. Yeah, I agree. I think that on just kind of on the marketing side and some of the podcasts that I've been listening to and um, evaluating, I think that it's smart for vet clinics to do uh, a wellness program um, where they're having. Um, clients come in more often. So I think, like you said, I think it's going to become more popular. Yeah, I think both of the programs of like insurance morphing into paying their share up front um, and uh, clinics, you know, across the board uh, trying to offer things like wellness plans or pay-as-you-go plans um, are really going to open up accessibility of veterinary medicine to all types of pet owners. I think that's like the main goal of having pet insurance, right? People who can't afford a $10,000 bill get pet insurance to not have a $10,000 bill. So it puts them in that awkward position where they're kind of prepared because they know they can't afford this bill. So they're going to buy this insurance, but then when they're at the counter, they have to pay it up front and wait for reimbursement. Well, that puts them right back into the situation of, you know, they might as well not even have insurance. So I think it's a really smart move for the pet insurance companies. And it really, um, for the wellness plans, can offer people who live on, you know, we have a lot of fixed income here in New York. We have a lot of, you know, elderly people on aid and things like that. And we just have a lot of, um, you know, people who are living paycheck to paycheck and scraping by and don't have a lot of money to kind of spend $400 on a vet visit. But if you spend, you know, 50, 60 dollars a month, like that's a lot that opens up vet care for a lot of 
people. And I think that it'll get pets treated faster and we'll see less uh, cases in the ER where pets are kind of ailing for weeks, but the owner kind of doesn't have any other option but to kind of wait it out until they can't anymore. And now they're faced with an emergency room fee. Okay, so so you guys have we I think we've broken down a lot of different things. Number one, we need to look at what the deductibles are going to be, right, and what the reimbursement rates are going to be. We need to look at if your pet is going to have pre-existing conditions or waiting periods, and then how the care is going to be reimbursed once it's happened. So, are you going to get reimbursed and pay your vet? Is your vet going to get paid? Um, and a hundred percent that that's going to be on a case by case basis with you and and your veterinarian. Um, we've talked about looking at whether it includes wellness or doesn't include wellness. And so knowing that you're going to have wellness cared covered outside of emergency or, um, you know, disease situations. One of the other things I would recommend is looking just to make sure what it all covers. Like you said, for wellness, a lot of them don't cover dental care. Um, and that's something that's really important. So I would just make sure to read and make sure you know what they're covering because dental care is something that all pets will need eventually throughout their life. So that was kind of the next thing I was going to get to is what are some other things that they can or can't cover that we want to make sure people are paying attention to? So I think you mentioned the very first one that's important is dental. A lot of them will cover medical or accidental dental situations. So if there was like a trauma to the tooth, but they're not going to cover dental wellness care, such as, you know, a full mouth comprehensive exam and prophylaxis. Um, What are some other things you want to look for and see if they're covered to make sure before you're picking your pet insurance? I would also check for vaccines um, and spaying and neutering um, to make sure that that's covered. Or if not, then you're planning to, like, as you get a puppy, to save up to pay for all that. Oh, you know what I would, I would, oh yeah, you know what always gets people sometimes I, and I didn't actually know this either, is that sometimes a pre-existing condition revolves around your pet's behavior. And I was unaware of this, but say your dog eats like a sock and has a surgery to remove that sock or a scope, Um, they go in there with a little scope and take it out. Uh, I didn't know that that could be considered a pre-existing condition and that if your dog eats another sock they may not cover the second or third or you know i don't know some dogs i'm so sorry to oh, say yeah, they, they don't learn right they don't learn so yeah. they can have these surgeries like every year or something so i mean i i think it's like a little fair or maybe for the insurance if it's going to sure. be a habit but i never thought to think like to ask about like oh if is this considered Uh, Is this covered or um, is this considered um, like a behavioral thing or like a pre-existing condition? And then, um, I don't know, do they have any, uh, this is just a question because I don't know, is there anything like breed specific? Like do they not cover Frenchies or like they don't want to insure pit bulls or anything? I don't know. Yeah, what a good point, right? Like like, to be like, can you break down all the caveats? Like if there are any, if I have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, will you not cover these known heart conditions because it's known Or like an airway crisis in a Frenchie or something like that. Synodic nares, right? Is that cosmetic? If you have something um, in a pet that you want to fix like that, that's breed specific. I think that's such a great point to really call customer service and ask those hard questions. Um, I think also to your point of talking about um, 
you know, knowing what will be covered outside of, um, you know, conditions once they've been treated is our behavioral conditions or behavioral modifications covered. I know that there are some insurances that do and some that don't. There are some that do and don't cover therapeutic diets as well. So if you have a pet that is on a therapeutic diet or you think in the future it might be an option for your pet, it's one to make sure that they do or don't cover. I just jumped on the Trupanion website um, from what you were asking, Angie, and um, reading through it, it says all conditions your breed may ha- be prone to, such as cherry eye, diabetes, hip dysplasia, thyroid, cancer, and heart disease, they're all covered for that. So I think it's really important to check like what company you use. And then I think another thing to consider would be wellness or Alternative therapies, right? I think there are some insurances that will cover chiropractics, acupuncture, and other alternative type therapies, but not all of them do. And if that's something that you're interested in offering to your pet, which I think we've, you know, been really outspoken of being in a huge support of having alternative therapies in in various types of conditions, um, I would be leaning toward a pet insurance that would, would cover those types of therapies so you have that as an option for treatment as well. Because Trupanion is based out of Seattle, I hear a lot about them. And I know that Trupanion is 24-7. So the availability of the insurance company, how easy are they to get a hold of, um, anything like that. So I think that is a major thing that is a plus for Trupanion. So I'm going to endorse Trupanion here. Uh, One thing to remember about insurance is that once you already have it, if you get declined for something, get your vet clinic involved. Um, we've helped with a lot of uh, cases where they decline something and then we'll send a letter saying that it is not associated with whatever other claim they had that was declined. Um, And that's really helped people a lot and they've been able to fight it. And so I would recommend doing that. And also um, if any chances like with specialty medicine, if you can send it ahead of time, like a uh, estimate ahead of time to your insurance company and get it pre-approved, that's definitely helpful too. Yeah, and a lot of places, um, at least where I work, the last two places I've worked, we've had a, a person on our staff that was in charge of all of the insurance claims. So um, there was a couple of gals behind the front who you could just go and talk to and they would handle your billing and they knew who to call and uh, would help even do, um, they had a little computer in the lobby where you could apply for pet insurance if you wanted to while you were there. Um you know, seeing the general practice. And it's just a really good asset to have. Um, you can always ask when you're in the vet clinic for, for help with these kind of things. And I think that any of your veterinary professional staff would be very excited to help you um, kind of insure your pet from, um, you know, from a tragic situation. You know, and I guess the thing about it is for me is I know a lot of the people who work at these companies, right? Like we go to the trade shows, you meet a lot of the faces behind the company and you learn the people who have developed the companies who do the claims, who, um, you know, work on the plans. And at the end of the day, these are amazing individuals who really do love pets, um, I think insurance does kind of get a scarred, you know, um, 
persona and, and for a lot of, you know, reasons that I can totally understand. But I, the individuals behind all of these organizations that I've ever met are great people who love animals, who love pets, who want them to have access to great health care and to make it easy for clients. And um, that's really where it's going. So if you've had a bad experience in the past or you've heard bad things about insurance in the past, I really would challenge you to uh, give it another try. Um, I will post that chart that Becky talked about earlier on social media, but we would also like to see your pets on social media. So jump onto our Facebook on, or Instagram at Making Sense of Pets. And if you have any questions or concerns, you can give us an email at makingsenseofpets at gmail.com. And don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and send us a comment on your favorite podcasting platform. That was so hard to say. It can be. That's yeah. it. Ensure your pets. Yeah. If I had a dollar for every person that wanted to apply at the front counter at the ER. Super duper.